What's that? What do you mean? There, on the wall. Oh, it looks like writing. But what does it say? I don't know. It kind of looks like backwards letters. Look, in the mirror. What? What does it say? We we have to talk about comics. Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's On Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome to our special Halloween episode of Chris's On Infinite Earths. And by special, we mean it's kind of the same as always. And as by Halloween, we mean it's a couple days before Halloween. A day. Oh, a day when this comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our um, not terribly spooky, but kind of Halloween-themed cold open. Yeah! So exciting. (laughs) So in this episode of Chris's on Infinite Earths, we are continuing our uh, dive into Crisis on Infinite Earths. And we are on episode three of this season, which means we're covering issue three. So if you're not familiar with Crisis on Infinite Earths, or if you haven't listened to our first two episodes of this season... Go back and give them a download and give them a listen and we'll be here waiting for you. Yeah, or, I don't know, listen to this episode. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. So, uh, should we get into the summary? Summary. We start with the Monitor examining the now adolescent but still unfortunately naked Alexander Luther. The Monitor comments that Alexander's trip through dimensions made him equal parts matter and antimatter. Harbinger zips over to talk to the shadowy enemy figure who commands her to kill Alexander. We join the Flash in Earth's future as he experiences the natural disasters that seem to come with the antimatter destroying Earths before he vibrates out of time. At the present, lots of heroes band together to attempt to rescue bystanders before the Flash appears again in an attempt to warn everyone of the disaster before disappearing. Again. Good job, bud. We briefly see Brainiac's ridiculous starship as the robot zips toward Earth to find Lex Luthor and save the world. We quickly go back to World War II, where yet another Monitor Tower has appeared in the middle of a pitched battle. Aside from Nazis, the Allied soldiers are attacked by shadow creatures attempting to get after the tower, which is likewise defended by Geoforce, Dr. Polaris, and Blue Beetle. The battle turns deadly, however, before the Monitor pulls the outclassed Blue Beetle out. We quickly flash back in the Commandy Great Disaster time long enough to see Solovar die before we join a group of cowboys in the Old West, who have gathered in a cave that also contains another golden tower. This tower is guarded by Simon, Cyborg, Green Lantern, and Firebrand, a group quickly beset by more shadow creatures, which causes a huge cave-in just prior to the antimatter wave consuming the Old West town. Finally, we see the Legion of Superheroes in the 30th century desperately try to fend off the antimatter wave before we see all time periods being consumed by the antimatter. Monitor, however, notes his towers and agents are in place. His plan is ready to begin. Harbinger seems to have a different idea, though, and declares it is time for him to die. Finally, the inevitable betrayal. (laughs) 
All right, Christy, what did you think of this issue of Crisis on Infinite Earths? Well, as you well know, I was somewhat bored by it. Yes, there was a lot of action that happened. However, it just didn't meet my comic book reading needs. I realized when I wrote the summary, I kind of jammed a lot together, but I also wrote quickly and flashed and zipped around because it seems like we're literally just flitting between things quickly. Yeah, lots of different little short storylines of everything's terrible, the world's ending, it's all so dark and boring, and sorry, I get really bored by storylines that are overly dark. Now, um, have you noticed that this issue contained, or rather did not contain, one very important Crisis on Infinite Earths person? Who? Pariah. Pariah was not in this entire issue. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. He's doing a crap job of showing up before everything's about to die. Yeah. Where's our purple-haired bud? Maybe he'll show up in issue four and go, sorry, sorry, sorry. Or maybe maybe this means that not everything is as terrible as it seems. Oh. Well, anyway, the cover is... At this point, crisis covers seem to be so typical. It's like, look, a bunch of heroes, and there's the monitor's face. Little snippets of, like, all of the scenes that we're going to see. And, oh my gosh, it's a lot of them. This cover could maybe just be the whole comic. Well, that's not true. but I feel like we get most of the story of the comic right here. <laughs> I feel like when I don't like an issue of a comic book, I tend to really pick apart parts of it that I wouldn't typically pick apart. So yeah. we'll see. Part, parts that you would give grace or gloss over when you really enjoyed something. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Sorry, listeners, if you liked this issue, we're probably going to be a little critical of it. I, I just, you know, it, it's it's a lot. We're We're getting a lot of characters. Yeah. More than anybody rightfully would want to absorb or process in an issue of comics. Right. Unlike Secret Wars, this doesn't. This also doesn't save a lot of time for sort of like between battle conversations. Yeah, there's not a lot of time for any character development of what I thought was going to be kind of like our main cast. Yeah, I I knew. I mean, I've read Crisis before. The main cast of the group of like twelve or however many heroes. Seems to, like, quickly be joined by literally everybody else. I I, I was really psyched for Crisis going in, because reading the first issue, I liked the first issue a lot more than I liked Secret Wars. And yes, Secret Wars had some down issues for me. So, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully, it's going to pick back up for me later on. So, we'll see. Well, we start with the monitor, like, looking at Alexander Luther and kind of examining him with some big golden machine. Yeah, it looks kind of like his golden, like it's made of the same stuff as his golden towers. Yeah, guy's got a motif. And Alexander Luther's just sort of, like, suspended in some sort of bubble Mm -hmm. that's held up by all this gold stuff. It looks really weird, because he now looks like a teenage boy with no clothes, and his legs are... His legs are spread wide facing the monitor. It just right. feels like a little too intrusive. Harbinger's also kind of down there g- giving a peek at the bottom of the page. Yep. Yeah. Well, the monitor has concluded that something changed Alexander Luther's body when he got sent through the void while after the universe or Earth three rather ended and helped him get really smart really fast because apparently he can like talk and stuff now too right and he's also composed of both positive and negative matter which is um an impossibility (laughs) comics comics Uh, i mean he does say it's an impossibility um he's also like sorry kid it sucks that you have to be corrupted for the innocent or for the universe to live you're you'd be so innocent otherwise 
Well, I think he says he is so innocent. Right. It's unfortunate that it has to happen to an innocent. Right. Because right. he has to bridge the universe. This it says yeah he has to bridge the antimatter universe and then the current universe. And that's that's kind of the last we're going to see of Alexander. I guess the monitor's still just giving him a look over. Yeah, and Harbinger flies off get, get, with thoughts of, oh, gosh, does the monitor know I'm going to betray him? And maybe. Maybe. <laughs> he does. He, he kind does. of talked about it. So she goes back to the, the sort of dark room lair of the the person, the shadowy figure. The shadowy um, figure who we don't know. Who's now chilling out with Psycho Pirate. Yeah. Who Psycho Pirate, it seems like he... He, like, saddles into the role of henchman so easily. Yeah, it seems like a really good fit for him. Yep. It's like if he was at a temp agency, they're like, Psycho Pirate, we think you'd hench so well. We're going to try you. We're going to do a trial period, um, contract to hire, one month uh, working for the shadowy figure. I I know the shadowy figure's name since I've read this, but I don't want to reveal it yet. Mm. So do you think Psycho Pirate gets, like, benefits this temp job? Like, this temp job? Yeah. Does he get them bennies? Does he get them bennies? I think the only benefit is uh, not being consumed by the antimatter universe. I feel like that's a pretty solid one. That is pretty solid. Or not so solid, considering it's antimatter. I mean, it's anti-solids. Matter is solid liquid gas. Antimatter is, I guess, could also be solid liquid gas. Uh, I we're we're delving into realms that I am not familiar with. Yeah, I actually don't know if antimatter forms compounds. I thought antimatter was a made-up thing. No, antimatter is real. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll keep going. <laughs> um, you will have to do more explaining later because now I feel like an idiot. Yeah, we'll see if this stays in the podcast. <laughs> um, so Harbinger and Psycho Pirate kind of have a little bit of like a, a verbal sparring match. Where Harbinger's like, get away from me, Psycho Pirate. And he's all like, ooh, are you afraid of me? Are you afraid? Ooh, he's a little worm tonguey. <laughs> Why do you heap troubles on an already troubled mind? <laughs> uh, and Psycho Pirate, when Harbinger leaves, uh, well, I, I guess I shouldn't jump ahead too much. Because shadow- she gets some directions from the shadowy figure. To kill the Luther child. Well, it's like... It's literally like a run-on sentence. Destroy the Luther child, the dead can present no threat. There's no punctuation until the end of that. I know. Yeah. I wonder if that was an accident, because there is some punctuation in an earlier sentence, but there's a couple there's a couple little bits from the shadowy figure that have no punctuation. Well, wonder... maybe the punctuation, since all of his text is in white, maybe there was just some, some problems with punctuation not being the right color. I kind of think it seems pretty... You're probably right, but it makes him seem really inhuman to me, and I find that really interesting. So yeah, she literally just shows up for the shadowy figure to tell her to go kill Alexander Luther, and then she's <laughs> like, cool, I'm out. She doesn't even say anything. No. Um, Psycho Pirate does note that she seems pretty unstable, that her mind's kind of like a jumble, and he's like, I-, I could instill in her just blind loyalty if you want, or or love, if that's your thing. Yeah, Psycho Pirate is all too willing to use his weird powers. Yeah. But the or the the figure thinks that she will do the job as required. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to start our zipping between lots of heroes doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So the first of these is... Uh, the zippiest zipper. Uh, the zippiest zipper. <laughs> Barry Allen, the zippiest zipper. <laughs> 
Christy, I know that your favorite hero is probably who's your favorite superhero? I that we would need like a whole other Spider podcast. Woman. Spider Woman's your favorite superhero. Well, yeah. But I haven't gotten a read in a Spider Woman because I canceled her. That's true. Well, uh, this was a long segue for a joke. I was gonna say that my favorite superhero is the zipper. No. I'm sorry I didn't go along with your <laughs> setup there for the joke. It's okay. Um, so as we go to the zippiest zipper, Barry Allen, the fastest zipper alive, he is in the future of Earth One, and he's apparently lived there for a month, which, uh, see Flash 350, which I feel like was also referenced in the last issue. Yeah, there's some stuff going on with Flash that they really want you to read about. Well, we're because not gonna. <laughs> even though there's a lot of spots that they could probably reference some previous issues in throughout Crisis, it seems like they're really only doing it with Flash. Right. You know, the zippiest zipper. <laughs> I will never stop that. Um, so, but it seems like the future is having the same problems as the present, as there's lots right. of natural disasters that the Flash is trying to stop by running around. Yeah, oddly, he looks like the only person out. Maybe because it's super rainy and, like, there's ca- <laughs> catastrophes going on. Volcanoes and rain staying in tonight. <laughs> Well, it's just in every other destruction of, like, the world by antimatter, there's, we like, norm- there's yeah. people just running everywhere. Yeah, there are just people all over the place. But apparently, even when the world is being destroyed, people don't want to go out in the rain. Right. And um, he does see that wall of antimatter coming for him, and it's like, oh, I only have one chance. And he just sort of very quickly does the, the flash vibrate thing and seems to poof out of time. Yep. Um, so we're back to Earth One in July 1985. You Which know, is the 20, present. twenty years ago when mm-hmm. the Earth when the world ended. Right. R.I.P. World. <laughs> and we join the Teen Titans and the Outsiders who are facing this wall of antimatter. Yeah. So once again, a ton of heroes with no introduction unless you already knew them. Yeah. So the Teen Titans are a group of teen superheroes. They've got like. Nightwing and Starfire and Beast Boy and Wonder Girl. And then the Outsiders are sort of like a group of... Are a book that I had to read in middle school. <laughs> the Outsiders, <laughs> you know, Pony Boy. And man, wouldn't that be great? Pony Boys of this. Uh, as, the, as the Flash dies, he says, stay gold, Pony Boy. <laughs> No, the Outsiders are, are a group of superheroes who are, their whole deal is like, they're kind of weird. Okay, this is really off topic, but I just noticed this about, like, a pedestrian in the crowd who is carrying, like, a boombox and is wearing a t-shirt that says, belly dancers do it better. Yeah. I feel like this is a really important thing. This is actually bringing around the whole comic for me right now. Belly dancers do it better. <laughs> Who of the creative team was a belly dancer aficionado? Did they were they belly dancers? Did they have friends who were belly dancers? Because this guy does not look like he's dressed like a belly dancer currently. Maybe he has a friend or um, spouse or a loved I don't know. one who's in. But belly he has dancers. what looks like a beret that's just flown off his head as well. I think it's just a little cap. Is it just a cap? It looks. It looked a little beret-esque to me. It's got a bill on it. Yes, so can berets. Berets have bills? No, maybe I get... No, that's more of a, like a newsboy cap, I right. guess. You're right. It is a little raspberry colored, though. No, it's it's just straight red. I was really trying with that one. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. All berets should be colored raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes. Earth One, we've got Teen Titans Outsiders. Yes. 
I, we would re- like so with Secret Wars, we really went into depth and explained these groups, but they will just pop in and pop out in a way that seems to it, like it doesn't matter, right? So like, much, than right? What these heroes that we're about to see, I mean, we're just witnessing the destruction of their worlds. We're gonna see so many. There is no point in diving in to all of them and all of their powers. No reason to get attached. <laughs> no reason to get attached. Yeah, a bunch of them are probably gonna die. Um, so we see them. We have um. Metamorpho, who has, like, turned himself into almost like a, a frame that's trying to keep a building together, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Metamorpho's whole deal is that he, different parts of his body are kind of made up of different elements, and he can kind of control them in a weird way. He's almost, like, halfway between Firestorm and Mr. Fantastic to me, but that's probably, like, a terrible way to describe him. But he's just, like, he's made up of, like, different bits, and he's kind of mm-hmm. like a patchwork quilt man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, Cole? I wonder if it's Colay. Colay? That it... seems more likely, because she, she she looks like, like a beautiful angel yep. that spins crystal. Yes. She, she makes is, a crystal slide. She's a Savasi crystal superhero. <laughs> I said that so wrong. <laughs> well, she does make a crystal slide, which is, it kind of looks like fun. Yeah. Um, although the way it's illustrated, it looks like some of these people It looks are like, like an M.C. Escher slide. Yeah, it is something else. Yeah. Meanwhile, Starfire just tries to shoot her star bolts, which are kind of like an energy projection. Her hair is ridiculous. It's very long. It's just always like that. It's like three people long. Yep. That's... It seems impractical for crime fighting. Well, she's an alien, and she has long hair, and maybe that's just something she does. It just seems like she'd have to fly literally everywhere. She could never walk, or somebody would step on her hair. I mean, you see this this um, at the bottom of page five, where she is flying and floating behind her is her hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 pretty insane. But that's that's literally just the way Starfire's hair is. Like mm-hmm. in the eighties, it was more voluminous. Now it's more generally straight and also long. It's not that long. But it's she's always been a lot of hair, which is she's like like Medusa from Marvel has that much hair. But Medusa's power is her hair, and Starfire has no <laughs> hair based powers as far as I know. No, I mean she probably needs it to keep her warm because she's not wearing much else. Nope, she's definitely um, kind of one of the the, the bikini more... garbed. Yes, super heroines. Super heroines. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay, that and maybe you can explain really to me the green elephant. That's Beast Boy. Or he might be Changeling right now. Okay. His whole deal is he can turn into animals, but they're still green. He's green when he's not an animal. He's like a green boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not sure why he's a green boy. Um, He just is. He's, well... Th- I'm there's, sure there's probably a reason. There's probably some DC readers of our podcast who are like, oh my god, how does Chris not know why Beast Boy's green? But I just don't. But He I- was very good at eating his vegetables when he was a kid. That's how he got superpowers. And it also made him green. I do love Eat that- your ve- vegetables, boys and girls. <laughs> You'll turn into Beast Boy. If you want to know more about Beast Boy, you should probably listen to Tighten Up the Defense, which is the podcast that let us use their um segment that we use at the end they talk a lot about teen titans and know way more about them than us see the biggest thing that i dislike about the amount of superheroes that are getting thrown at us right now is like with secret wars i felt like i really had a lot of time to grow to care about these characters that i didn't know beforehand and it made me want to read and know more about them but this i just feel like Okay, there's just like this never-ending buffet of superheroes, and there's no reason for me to try them all, because I'll just get sick. 
I just gotta pick out the ones that really I really like. Really looks good. This is the the uh, the old time country buffet of superheroes. And yeah, you, you know you can't eat it all. Maybe the Golden Corral. The Golden Corral. I think that Crisis is really cool if you've read a lot of DC. Whereas right. they do a big effort in Secret Wars to almost like be like, if you know Jack about Marvel, you probably will at least get a little bit. Right. Um, so then we have Black Lightning, who is who protects some people who are going to have a building dropped on them. It's the whole deal is just superheroes help helping people out. Mm-hmm. We got Wonder Girl, who has our very long lasso, and people are just sliding down it, which seems really dangerous because if one of them fell, they would take every single other person out beneath them. Just I I feel like Wonder Girl might have a better use of her of her powers other than just here's a rope. I'm gonna hold the rope. <laughs> I'm gonna hold the rope, but. Yeah. And then, um, and then we have Halo. Halo is looking for people inside, and and she finds a little girl who's hiding under her crib. Yes, because mommy said to wait for her. That is a crib. It is a crib, but she looks like she's got to be like four or five. Okay, maybe it's some. Maybe it's her baby brother or sister's crib. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Then, uh, so, or Donna Troy, I'm sorry, Donna Troy is Wonder Girl. Wonder Girl is about to have a, yet another building dropped on her. There are a million buildings falling on people yeah. when she is saved by Superman. Can I just say, if comics have taught me anything, it's like when the world is ending, you don't want to be in a city. No. You just need, to, you want to chill rural. Yeah. It makes me appreciate the suburb life. <laughs> If buildings shake apart, you just kind of walk outside and you're like, eh, nothing's going to fall on me. <laughs> um, so Superman has come to help people out and Batman has come as well. Mm-hmm. They, they seem pretty, like, stoked that they showed up. Like, oh, Batman and Superman, are, you guys are here? I love how Ooh. they're like, we didn't know you'd show up to the end of the world. Because, <laughs> yeah, they had something better to do. <laughs> Although this is the, like, the, Batman and Superman, like... That's like that's the world's finest. They're literally called the world's finest. Those are that's like those are those uh-huh. are your guys. Mm-hmm. If you want a guy who can fly and do super strength and a guy who can think real smart, there you go. Think real smart. Clearly, I can think real smart. And they're not effective. <laughs> no, I do love that Starfire had already tried her star bolts against the antimatter and nothing happened, and now she tries it again and is like, "Gosh dang it!" Still no. She's just really distraught. There's this panel where Superman kind of like hugs her to comfort her, but they both kind of look a little silly in it. Where she was like, "My world." They both have their mouths open. Uh, um, but they're they're. She was like, "My like my world's been conquered. I won't let it happen to another planet." And Superman's like, "Me too." So his world has been you know blown up. Right. But they both lost their worlds, and they don't want to lose another one. Mm-hmm. So they are speculating kind of what's going on, but then suddenly the Flash! Yeah, and he's in literally that same pose that Batman saw kind of the after image of him in the last issue. Mm-hmm. And um, Batman's terrified that it's going to happen again and tries to get to him, but uh, Jericho doesn't let Batman touch him. No, Jericho is worried that if Batman gets within that little energy field that seems to be around the Flash, he's got like a little kind of red-white energy field, that he'll get pulled into it and something bad would happen to him too. So Jericho prevents Batman from touching the Flash. And very quickly the Flash just disappears as he says, "Oh, like, oh my god, I tried warning mm-hmm. you, help me. And then 
He's he, gone. It just looks like when you pull like silly putty like way too far apart and it just Yeah, and then he disappears in a lightning bolt because it's the flash and there's lots of lightning bolts. I like that. And everybody no... looks shocked and afraid. There's just yeah, there's just several panels of people like, What? Man, that was like four pages. It just it was just a lot of people rescuing people, getting some quips in. A little bit of quips. But like 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 very like heavy on the ennui and the pathos. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is my favorite page. It suddenly turns into a nine panel grid, which I like because it's talking about Brainiac, who's all about structure. Oh, because he's a robot. Nice to, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, uh, I feel like that's a kind of a fun layout shift. Yeah. I'm kind of a sucker for the nine panel grid at times. So yeah, we have Brainiac in the middle of space watching this wave of antimatter. So this can't. It says far from Earth. The wave of antimatter must be very asymmetrical. I don't know. I mean, it says far beyond our solar system, even. Yeah, it's hitting Earth seemingly fairly slowly, while also consuming a planet that kind of looks like Jupiter, in a, a area far away. Maybe it's just pockets of it kind of opening up. It's like a. It's like popcorn popping. So the antimatter well, is. Well, I'm kernels. not going to suppose that I know anything about antimatter. Yeah, forget <laughs> everything you knew about antimatter, Christy. It exists. <laughs> So br- this is great. Brainiac is is like I can't remain here, or I will be. El-. He says this entity, which I think means him, will mm-hmm. be eliminated. And, and to save himself is his prime directive. Definitely not the Star Trek prime directive, right? But to save himself, he's got to save the universe, right? And to save the universe, he's got to find uh, Lex Luthor. Well, we assume Lex Luthor because I, he can't mean Alexander Luthor because he probably doesn't know he exists, right? Right. So he, and however, he experiences some fear here yeah. for the first time ever in his existence. What's well, a sense of conversion? I don't think he used to be fully robot. Mm. Um, readers, you can you can definitely correct me on that. Um, so with that, we are now in World War II, where it's snowing in July or in spring. June. 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 They late say spring. it's June. Yeah, it's late, late spring. Yeah, which. I mean, to me, I always forget, okay, yeah, technically summer doesn't start until, like, June 20th or 21st or whatever. But to me, June is summer. I am a teacher. June is summer. Well, always. And in Missouri, it's always hot by then. It's hot in May. Mm -hmm. So that might as well be summer. So we go to the fictional country of Markovia. Which reminds me, and I can't remember the exact name of it, but it reminds me of the name of the fictional country that uh, is from the Princess Diaries. Oh, that one's real weird. Genovia. Genovia. And her her mom still sounds British. Her mom's not British. Is this her grandma? Her grandma's British. Her grandma's Julie Andrews. I I don't think Julie Andrews can turn it off. She's always (laughs) constantly British. So one of the monitor's golden towers has appeared in this Markovian town as the some American soldiers are waging war against the Nazis. Yeah. Easy company. Yes, I, I don't know if it's supposed to be that easy company. No, it is. Is it? I'm fairly certain. They've got the same names. There, there was not a Sergeant Rock in the... No, 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 no. Easy Company... Like, DC has a comics about Easy Company. Right, but is it about the Easy Company... Are you thinking of the Easy Company from Band of Brothers? No, I'm thinking of the Easy Company from DC Comics since we are reading a DC comic. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were referencing <laughs> Band of Brothers. And I was like, I don't think it's the exact same music company. It's only firmly entrenched in Band of Brothers. Uh, but that's not all. It's not just Easy Company. It's also... Easy Company is led by Sergeant Rock, if I recall. 
or lead it maybe not lead lead but sergeant rock is the main character from easy company we have three different like super well they're, they're like not superhero groups well okay let's start over we have two <laughs> groups there's the losers and the people who are well the losers are with the guy f- who is in a haunted tank and it's literally they call they are called the haunted tank crew who is jeb stewart and some other people who live in a tank that well they, they probably don't live in the tank who operate a tank <laughs> they live in a tank always i'm just really enjoying listening to your explanation right now there's a man who lives in a haunted tank i'm like i will read this comic and then there's also like i feel like he would have wilson or something too it's just, just, like... it's just like a giant tank shell that he's painted a face on <laughs> and then we have the losers who is a group that apparently was in i looked these up a little i did a little bit of research this oh time. see i did a bit but i just i was just looking at easy company i don't think i grasped but there was that many different groups going on here right i searched the haunted tank okay and um th- and there's a group called the losers which is a group of like i think three or four people who apparently were first introduced with the haunted tank or in a Haunted Tank comic. War comics used to be very popular, and so there was a whole bunch of these groups. So there's the Losers, there's or Sergeant Rock in the Easy Company, and there's Jeb Stewart, who's in a Haunted Tank. Also, Jeb Stewart is flying a Confederate flag, which I'm not super fond of. Yeah. Well, there we go. But it's... it. So I looked up why he would fly a Confederate flag. His name's Jeb. I think that's all the explanation you need. The descendant who's talking to him, General Stewart, is a ghost of a Confederate soldier. I guess general in this case. Who oh. is Jeb Stewart's ancestor. Oh, is that what the... Okay, I didn't understand what that black smoke was. Oh, yep, that is definitely... I didn't realize that. I guess the black smoke is just is General Stewart talking to him in the haunted tank. <laughs> I just can't get over the fact that this tank is haunted. Okay, so as we discuss this issue, there are things about it that I'm learning to love. I mean, and I don't think it's the things they intended. <laughs> this tank is haunted. Does the tank actually have a lot of interesting stuff to say? Not really. How is the tank haunted by a Confederate soldier? Tanks are like how well they're very new they're very new yes so the general just talks about how they're jeb this world is filled with winners and losers but oftentimes even losers win this day however shall losers lose and never be seen again and that's all he's got yep thanks haunted tank ghost so do ghosts get destroyed by antimatter i think so i'm gonna make that call now in the real world there aren't ghosts so, ooh, but... bold claim here, Chris. <laughs> no, I don't. If ghosts exist in the real world, I I don't know about their antimatter rela- particle relations. But in DC Comics, I think that when a world gets consumed, all subsequent ghosts likely get consumed as well. Okay, we then see we have a Geoforce and Doctor Polaris. Doctor Polaris yeah. show up. Geoforce is and... pissed. Yeah, because... He's Markovian. He is! And the Nazis slaughtered his people, the Markovians. Right. And But Dr. Polaris also seems to really not like Nazis, or maybe he just likes beating anybody up. Cause... He, he likes revenge, it sounded, sounds like. Right. 
And so they just start beating the living heck out of some Nazis. Mm-hmm. So apparently they they weren't the only heroes brought there because, as we've found out, they travel in groups of three here. Or more. Uh, it's been mostly three. I think there's four later on. We'll talk about it. Okay. Well, it's been mostly three so far. Very true. Definitely not two. No. Th- so They don't bl- come in pairs. No. Blue Beetle's here, too. Yeah, in his uh, in his little scarab flyer. Mm-hmm. Who kind of wants them to be on task a little more because he says, much as I regret it, we didn't come back in time to fight Nazis. Well, this time. I'm just saying, if you go back in time and you have the opportunity, maybe take a detour, fight some Nazis. Right. But he doesn't he really doesn't want a detour because, hey, we're here to, like, save the world and we've got to protect this machine. So maybe we should be, like, protecting this machine. Yeah. He does another funny little reference of Miss, Mrs. Blue Beetle's little boy intends to do just that. He kind of has the whole, like, Aunt Petunia's favorite nephew thing that the thing does. But he keeps referencing to his mom. But then he calls himself a little boy, which is kind of strange to me. <laughs> Yep, and we've got uh, some Nazis just generally being terrible. Yep, they they say everybody should surrender because I grabbed this lady. But then the the dude who is one of the, I believe it's one of, well, a soldier in, in one of the, the, the DC soldiering groups named Flower rescues her. Mm-hmm. And he, he is called Flower and he is also covered in them. Yeah, I'm betting it's from Easy Company because they all have these weird, like, nicknames because they wanted the soldiers to all have nicknames because you have to do terrible things in war and they can leave behind their nicknames and those terrible things when the war's over. Oh, you did do some research on Easy Company. Well, DC Easy Company. DCZ Company? (laughs) And uh, then we have Geoforce telling everybody in Markovian... Because apparently Markovian is not only like a made-up country, it also has its own made-up language that he speaks. Yeah. Um, Of course. So he tells them in Markovian um, to hide and we will protect them. Gotcha. And uh, they kind of listen here because, hey, he speaks our language. But there's been a lot of terrible stuff already done. So we get back to uh, the golden tower machine thing and the nazis have discovered it and naturally assume it is some type of american weapon that they need to figure out right they're not correct however and they are attacked by the losers easy company and the haunted tank Mm-hmm. i'm trying to figure out I, the 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 loot loot ten lieutenant the spell the goofy spelling of lieutenant there it's kind of like some some soldier in talk yeah I don't know why they decided to do lieutenant. It's the same I, sound. It, that, yes, that was my thought, too. I was like, okay, I guess it sort of conveys something when you're reading it, like, in your head. I guess if you do it in French, it's more of like a lieutenant. So they're lieutenant, but we Americans just say lieutenant anyway. Right. I that's not too weird for us. Um, yeah, so this, um, this is finally when the um, Black Shadows... Black shadows. The shadows, you know, that are usually that color. I mean, they're sort of gray in this. Yeah, they are. not that black. Yeah, you got me there. The gray shadows. We're going to... Yeah, the, the gray shadows. The shadows, the, the bad the bad guy shadows. The shadows that have been everywhere killing everybody. <laughs> they come out. They come out to kill people. They keep coming out of the machine. Do you think that's strange? Yeah, yes. Like, why are they, are they... So they've just been hanging out in there? Or are they just passing through? Like... It seems like any time they get close to a machine, the, these dudes show up. 
Right. And they start uh, killing a bunch of soldiers. Yep. And our heroes are, of course, not thrilled about it, but they only seem to be able to slow them a little bit. We have Dr. Polaris and Geoforce kind of teaming up on one of the shadow creatures, but they're already kind of doing some doing some rough stuff to the soldiers because there's a lot of them. And it like takes two of the heroes to do anything to one of the shadows. Yeah, it se- and it seems to basically just be like they're killing off all of their <laughs> World War II era heroes by Shadow Beast. Yep. Well, heroes. Not superheroes. They're they're sol- they're soldier comics heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have Blue Beetle kind of climbing around on the machine, and he uh, gets attacked by a gray shadow. But as soon as it touches him, it explodes, and he deduces must be my scarab. Yeah, that was given to him by the original Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. However, he's all he's saying it, or all he figures out is I still have to touch them for it to ex- make them explode, and that burns me. Yeah. So he's he's kind of less helpful than he thinks. Right. So it at this point, the three heroes are really beaten back. And it gets to the point where Blue Beetle looks like he's about to get kind of got by the shadows. Yeah, he's kind of just free-falling at this point. Like... And the monitor just pulls him out and goes, Oh, well, I thought Blue Beetle would be helpful because I knew that his scarab would blow up these shadows, but I guess not. And says he's just putting him back in his normal time. Right. So who knows what's going to happen to Geoforce and Dr. Polaris. Right? Because it, it says that the, he's going to return the other wounded one to their own time. But it doesn't seem like Geoforce or Dr. Polaris were really wounded. Right. So I'm kind of, I kind of was confused as to who they were referring to. Well, it, it's answered here coming up. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So we're back to Commandy's time, the great disaster. Yep. And Commandy is is pretty stoked that well, stoked. He's thanking Solovar for saving. Right, because this group of heroes was like the only group that was actually effective at fighting off the shadows. It seemed. Mm-hmm. Although the panel before this, I, I'm sorry. Before we go on, Superman says, "Dawnstar, is it wrong for a Superman to say he's frightened?" And Dawnstar says, "You said you're married, didn't you? Like that's something you definitely say after someone says they're frightened." Don't start trying to trying to hit on Superman a little bit. <laughs> so you're frightened? Are you like how frightened are you? Like frightened enough to forget some vows or <laughs> yeah. my, my fan theory is that Donstar is super into Earth 2 Superman. She loves that salt and pepper. Yep. My gray fox. So Solovar is pretty severely wounded from saving uh, Commandy, and Commandy is floored by this because, of course, all of the sentient animals he knows want to kill him. Right. You might even say that Solovar is mortally wounded because he does... He gets zapped away. Oh, he does get zapped away. Mm-hmm. He's about to die, but he is the wounded... That gets zapped away by the monitor. Oh, now I finally get it. Christy, you're so smart. Hey, you got you got some other things that were way beyond me. Haunted tank. Haunted tank. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of soldiers all over here. I guess they're all easy company. I want to be the haunted tank for Halloween. Min- minus the Confederate flag. I'll, I'll just feel, have a black smoke cloud. I feel like to prepare for that, you're going to need a whole nother year. That's probably true. Next Halloween. Ugh. I don't know if you can separate. I think the Confederate flag is somewhat permanent on that tank. And I'm fairly certain if you dressed up as a tank with a Confederate flag and a black smoke cloud above you, nobody, literally zero people 
would know who you were. I would never put a Confederate flag on my person. <laughs> oh. But yeah, that's the that's too deep of a cut. Like you could go to a comic convention and people wouldn't know you were the haunted tank. Was <laughs> <Right. laughs> that that guy's like a smoke tank. <laughs> He's a tank with smoke coming out of him. Um, so we're still going to be on Earth One, but we're going to the town of Coyote, Texas in the year 1879. Yep. And uh, as Superman says, the world is changing. Although some things stay the same. We're a, uh, as a cowboy type, some scoundrel uh, gets thrown out. Batlash. Batlash gets thrown out of a saloon. I don't know that he's that much of a scoundrel. He just seems like he's a little bit of a ladies man. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, he's, he, and he kind of leaves town. Oh yeah, and if I ever catch you messing with my daughter again. I love this daughter behind the, the older lady and she's kind of, kind of got like a finger. Uh She's like, hey, hey guy. The mother here looks a little bit ridiculous because the mother looks like an oversized, like 10 year old. She definitely does. The dress and everything. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's. It's weird. It's very weird. Her her name's Mrs. Gofui. No, I think he's maybe just calling her Mrs. Gofui. Like, oh, Gofui. Oh. Maybe her name's Mrs. Gofui. You know, pretty common name from what I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this this guy Batlash goes and and rides off into the country and notices a the one of those towers that's kind of growing out of yeah. a mine. Right, because apparently Kiwanote said that there was something peculiar going on in Coyote. Right. And so he comes to investigate with Kiwanote and Jonah Hex, who Jonah Hex is a cowboy who had like his face is burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got we got lots of cow- cowboys here. We got Yep. Nighthawk. Johnny Thunder. Johnny Thunder. What a great name. <laughs> yeah. Uh all of these folks, it's not the uh, they they also some quite a few of them appear in All Star Western. Yeah, there's DC's got a lot of Western heroes. They got a lot of soldier and war heroes. I don't think I realized all of this. Is it, is is any of this like current? Like, could you go and pick up any of this? Mm, no, definitely not. D currently, what is D, DC's publishing their Rebirth line, which is just like very very straight up superheroes Mm. and they've got their young animal line which is kind of gerard way is in charge of that one like the guy from my chemical romance and that's kind of your like weirder superhero stories i want to know when they decided all right we're just not gonna do westerns and stuff westerns or world war ii i think this well world war ii comics were popular during and i think immediately after world war ii mm mm-hmm but I think mostly like, during... Like, Easy Company started in, like, 59. Oh, did it? Okay, way after World War II. Mm-hmm. This, I think, to some extent, the Silver Age kind of made it... Like, when superheroes got popular, it kind of maybe pushed other things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say that with, like, I know. But there was stuff with the comics code that they couldn't show. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Um... But they're not popular these days. Occasionally, you'll see people bring back bits of them. I of all these super or all these Western heroes, Jonah Hex is probably the most popular, and he'll like come back occasionally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we see them going to scope out the tower machine. It looks like it's sort of come up in the middle of a of a mine. Mm-hmm. So they're they kind of go through the mine, and as they emerge through to the other side um, to see the machine, we see. 
Some of our superheroes. So, yes, here is our group of four. Yes. Simon, Cyborg, Green Lantern, and Firebrand. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, and these cowboys are ready ready to start... Uh, ready to tussle. Ready to fill their hands, if you will, with with steel. That's the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they shoot at uh, the heroes because they're caught off guard. Um, but it doesn't hurt Firebrand or Green Lantern. Right. Firebrand's, I think, too hot. And it melts the bullets. Mm-hmm. And Green Lantern puts up a shield with his Green Lantern ring. Mm-hmm. And, but they recognize the Green Lantern costume. Yeah, apparently they'd seen Hal Jordan before. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they, they mentioned that the, the in, in not so pleasant terms. Yeah. Before. It was, yeah, it was, it was not uh, an African-American man who, which Jon Stewart is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I replaced that Green Lantern. And they seem to accept that. And they also apologize for trying to shoot Firebrand because she's very pretty. Yep. Well, Batlash does. And he's, our... <laughs> he's the ladies' man. Yeah. He is in this comic. He is the one-dimensional ladies' man. Mm-hmm. And Firebrand explains that we are from another time, brought here to save your world. And we, as she's talking about this, we see some eyes coming out from the darkness, looking ominous. Right. And uh, the eyes turn very quickly into more shadow beings. Mm-hmm. And Simon basically says that he'll just uh, take care of all of them himself. But his psionics don't seem to be working. It's not effective. Nope. It's not very effective. We're going to need to try something else. Like Firebrand's fire, which shatters the ever-living crap out of them. Yeah, seems very effective. Yeah. uh, And our old Western folks try to shoot at him. Not doing so great. No. But um, a million decibels of white sound from... Cyborg also shatters another one. And then we go to Green Lantern, who is who is totally ready to rip apart some shadows, but his ring is completely not charged. Mm-hmm. Which we as the readers know why. Oh, because the that's right, because in the last issue something happened with the Oa. With yeah, the, the Oa was the central battery is what they call yeah, the big one. It looked like there was quite a bit of destruction that there. Right. So unfortunate for John Stewart Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. He is uh, saved by one of the cowboys. Uh, I believe Jonah Hex kind of knocks him out of the way before the shadow creature gets him. Mm-hmm. And then um, the mine starts to cave in. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so we've got... I believe that's Nighthawk. Yeah, he Nighthawk. Went, he went to go get weapons. So he wasn't actually in the cave with the rest of the, of the, the Western heroes. Oh, yeah. Right. And he notices the mine caving in, but also notices the antimatter starts to destroy the town. And he himself gets consumed by the antimatter. Yeah. Pretty dark. Yeah. So then we go to Metropolis in the 30th century. Right. We're back with the Legion of Superheroes, who also have a a wall of antimatter coming at them. And they're all trying to shoot it, too, with their various beam weapons. Um, I, I really dig that they're like, antimatter, better shoot it with fire and stuff. You know, I'm not the only one who apparently doesn't know anything about antimatter. Yep. <laughs> Even the Legion doesn't. And they've got... A, science. A thousand years of it. Science. Lots of it. So much science. Dream, we see Dream Girl chilling out with Brainiac 5, and Dream Girl is very upset. Dream Girl's power is that she dreams things that come true. But she didn't dream this. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. So we leave Metropolis and see in England, the antimatter appears to be getting there and they're trying to evacuate the city. Yeah. Kid Psycho, whoever that is. I don't know anything about Kid Psycho. Well, he's dead and getting consumed by antimatter. So (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, we see Kid Psycho, and then Kid Psycho gets consumed by antimatter. So England appears to not have been successfully evacuated prior to being antimattered. Well, I don't really think they probably had a lot of warning. No, no one seemed to. Mm -hmm. So now we kind of see things from the Monitor's point of view, where it's ancient Atlantis, the Old West, on every earth in every time period it is being everything is being consumed by antimatter so the antimatter is like outside of time which is kind of fascinating i mean i think i mentioned that in a previous episode but it kind of brings up the doctor who of like a timeline of timelines yeah it's more than my brain wants to try to wrap its head around so you can speculate more if you'd like and i can give you some nice uh uh-huh let's talk meta time (laughs) okay All right, instead of talking about a time, we should probably talk about the end of this comic, in which even though all of this has happened and that things are moving faster than uh, the the Monitor thought, his machines are in in place and he's got all his agents ready to go and he's about ready to begin his plan, but the Harbinger is there. Shows up and calls him Old Fool and tells him it's time for him to die. Yep, and the next issue is the big one, the end of the multiverse. When, when world... worlds die. When worlds die. Uh, so I think um, issue four is the last issue of Crisis on Infinite Earths, where okay. all the worlds are going to die. So is it time for accolades? Accolades. Okay, Christy, how about you start us off? Best line? Best line. Okay, my best line was said by none other than the mother who looked like an overgrown 10-year-old. Yep. Ain't no mistake here, you lying, two-time and slithering, sidewinding, son of a snake. Oh, that's really good. (laughs) That's a good alliteration. It's a good insult. That's pretty fantastic. My best line was said by Cyborg to the gang of uh, cowboy types after Nighthawk decides to go get weapons. And he says, you guys better join him. This ain't no place for John Wayne rejects. Oh, yeah. Well, that's pretty good. John Wayne, though, is an actor, whereas they are actual cowboys so I like Cy- <laughs> or actual gunmen. So I felt like Cyborg was maybe, he needs to pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> I like that his first, his first impulse is, here's these guys, better insult them. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. A little rough. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so greatest hero? I have Blue Beetle, because that poor guy was trying his best toward the end. He was going to fight those shadows, even though they were burning him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I I felt the same way. Like, he just wanted to, like, oh, you're really doing your best. You're trying to follow the mission, do everything you're supposed to. You're just put in a rough situation without the tools that you really need. Yeah, Blue Beetle does not have powers. He has a ship. And some acrobatics and, like, a few gadgets. He's, like, lesser Batman with... I I, kind of like his personality a little more. Mm. At least he's kind of more fun. But poor guy was a little unprepared, but he was still ready to try his best. Mm -hmm. Well, my greatest hero was Solovar. Because even though his heroic act kind of happened in the last issue, I feel like we didn't get the full impact of the toll that it had on him. Uh Uh-huh. And so we we really just see him, like, suffering from wounds here. But he he's just, like, the whole time he's talking just sounds, like, so noble and together. And I'm like, gosh, I want to live in Gorilla City with Solovar because he, like, sounds, he sounds really cool. Sounds like a good ruler to live in Gorilla City. Did I tell you I was trying to explain the concept of Gorilla City to people at work? And they were like, 
what is this? Because it's in the Flash show. And I'm like, no, it's the city. And gorillas live there. But they're good gorillas. They're more advanced in their civilization than humans are. They are. They're like, if Planet of the Apes was good. At least maybe ethically. I think technologically, they have an invisibility field that prevents people from seeing their city. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) What's your coolest moment, Christy? Uh, So my coolest moment was, I think, the World War II battle, even though it was overwhelming with the amount of characters. I think there was a lot of cool stuff that happened there. And, I mean, killing Nazis. Who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like (laughs) Nazis, probably. But who cares what they think? Um, That was also my coolest moment. It's our Daily Devil. Yeah, Daily Devil. Yeah, I said the World War II heroes make their last stand. Mm -hmm. Um, It was pretty neat. (laughs) <laughs> confederate flag on the tank aside that was a bit of a, was a bit of a bummer a haunted tank though so it's so good it's so ridiculous um yep so silly villainy silly villainy uh for me is the entire scene with brainiac where he concludes that to save himself he has to save the entire universe we have another daily devil yay we're not married or anything <laughs> At least this time, our same things, like, are in the same categories. Yeah, as opposed to the last time where we were just, like, cycling around. Mm-hmm. It was such a fun scene with the night. It switched to the, the structured nine-panel grid, and Brainiac was reasoning through what he was supposed to do. And he's I like, love the way Brainiac's ship looks, too. It's just like his head with tentacles coming off of it. Why are there tentacles? Do you think he sees through the big eyes? I don't know, but yeah. I hope so. I, I hope more than anything. Just... Just the deductive reasoning here, or deductive or inductive, I don't know. But he he was like, well, the first thing I'm supposed to do is save myself. Well, the only way I can do that is by saving the entire universe. (laughs) It's great. I know. Brainiac's usually kind of like cold and calculating. It was funny that he's like, oh, universe saving time. All right. So, I think that wraps up our discussion of issue three of Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I have to say, after us discussing it, I have better feelings about the whole issue. I'm glad that when we talk things through, we like things more. Yeah. I think we find we find the nuggets together. And, the haunted and I, tank nuggets. Mm-hmm. The overgrown 10-year-old woman <laughs> and the belly dancer appreciator. <laughs> Some of the some of the gems of this comic. <laughs> oh. I just um, want to know, like, what the artist was thinking when he snuck that in there. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe there's a haunted tank. Like, someone came up with the idea that a tank had to be haunted. Chris is going to be talking about this for for weeks. I'm not sure if I'm a fan of the haunted tank or just like that. Someone came up with this insane heard co- co- concept of a haunted tank. <laughs> Well, anyway, thank you for listening. We'll be back again in two weeks with issue four. Yep. Uh, you can follow us on, on Twitter on and Facebook on at Chris's pod. You can email us uh, at uh, Chris's on infinite earths at gmail.com. And we really appreciate hearing from you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been great. Uh, getting all of our listeners. We are looking at our current uh, podcast host, uh, which has been offering free hosting for a while, which has been great. Is moving to a monetized system. So we're going to be looking at some of our options coming up here in the next couple of months because we only got about two more months of free hosting. Yeah, so we'll see about that. If you guys have any suggestions about anything, we are 
all ears. We're just going to try to find something that works out for us. All right. And until next time, slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. 